Hey, podcast family. Did you know that on May 2nd and 3rd, 2024, our 3D Growth Summit is happening in Nashville, Tennessee? But in-person tickets are already sold out with nearly 400 attendees. But you don't have to miss out. You can get exclusive access to our live stream and post-event recordings for just $395. Yes, you heard that right. For a single fee, you and your entire dental team can learn from our industry leaders with online recordings available after the event. So secure your spot now before it's too late by visiting www.3d-dentist.com slash 3D Summit or give us a call at 855-332-2285 and get your tickets for the live stream and event recording today. Now, let's get to this week's episode. Welcome back to another episode of the T-Bone Speaks Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Tarun Agarwal, better known as T-Bone. And we believe on this podcast that you can earn more money, work less, take more time off, and do more of the dentistry you love by working smarter, not harder, and you'll be building a practice that is more future-proof than ever. I am all, as always, joined by my lovely co-host, Miss Meredith Cooper-Jones. Oh. <laughs> That's you, Meredith. I know you're laughing. What's going on? Well, we're just finishing Why do you up. have to act so blonde today? <laughs> it's the hair. It's the hair. Well, I, I did I, my hair today. <laughs> is, that, is that what you call it? Clipping in stuff? Yes. So we're finishing up um, a two thousand great, great 2019. Yeah, it's been a good 2019 for the podcast and for the Institute, yeah. Yeah. So everything's wrapping up there, and you just got back from a fun weekend. I guess that really wrapped up the end of 3D. We had a 3D yeah. Dennis golf tournament. Yeah, so uh, uh, we did our first annual 3D Cup. Uh, it was phenomenal. I got to give an unbelievable shout out to Dr. Thad Vincent yes. of Sumter, South Carolina. And, and, and this is a side note. Um, Sumter, South Carolina is not a metropolis. And Thad Vincent is doing unbelievably well. He just acquired his third practice down there. There's five dentists. Um, they're doing phenomenal dentistry. They're focused on the right things. Uh, I will always believe this. I learned this from my dad. Uh, the real riches in dentistry are in middle to small town America. Uh, being in metro areas like Raleigh, North Carolina, more now than it used to be, a metro area is more tough and tough every day. So Thad's doing unbelievable. He did a phenomenal job uh, arranging our golf tournament for us. And we had a Ryder Cup style uh, tournament. Uh, I'm happy to announce that Team 3D CBCT uh, handily defeated Team 3D uh, CAD CAM. Uh, it wasn't even close. <laughs> and I'm also happy to announce that I walked away with almost $1,000 in winnings that I shall not report to the U.S. government. Oh, good. So you won back what you <laughs> lost on the cruise. <laughs> I won back a little bit more than what I lost on the cruise. Uh, but we will be doing the 3D Cup again. This year we limited it to 12 players. Uh, and next year's will, next year we'll be expanding to 24 players so we can have a true Ryder Cup style, uh, event. We had caddies. We played three rounds of golf. We actually ended up playing four rounds of golf, uh, with caddies at a f world class golf course. We played the ocean course at Kiowa this year. We're working on our venue for next year and we're going to move the dates a little bit so that it's a little bit easier uh, to have daylight for us. So uh, it was a phenomenal event. So what's going on in your life? Well, that sounds good. Not much. We're just getting ready to wrap up everything. This is the first year in our new house. How's so, that going? Well, good. We had to go get a real Christmas tree. Um, our neighbors were like, just trying to When you to say a real up. Christmas tree, like legit, like you cut it down. Yeah, like and you it... have to go to the mountains, put it in the truck, drive it back. That sounds like way too much work. <laughs> Can't you just put up a banner? <laughs> you don't even have kids. <laughs> yeah, and then, um, I mean, our neighbors go all out with the lights. So we have people park all on our street. You'll have to bring the kids over. Santa Claus well, you is know, out we there. We have that one, uh, one of our patients that has that real nice place. Yeah, but this is like seven houses together okay so it's really cool it's fun at first i was like oh my gosh we didn't know what we were getting ourselves into so we had to put up lights because we have to you know fit in with the neighborhood it looks really good though that's so awesome we're enjoying it well last week we interviewed dr 
uh, Yvonne, uh, the Implant Ninja, fantastic interview. Uh, I believe you got quite a few calls yeah. about the mentoring on so that. So he asked a few times, you know, if T-Bone does any mentoring. And T-Bone's like, <laughs> yeah, 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 just call me, just email me. <laughs> he won't text you back. <laughs> no, I, I do text um, people back. I won't call email, people yeah. back. Yeah. So I just wanted to keep everyone in mind that our Millennial Mastermind is a great place to start for yeah. a mentoring relationship with T-Bone, with Sully, people who have kind of been through that yeah. as well. Yeah, so the mastermind's fantastic. Right now, it's my main way of mentoring outside of being an associate at our practice. Uh, but my main way of mentoring and connecting with people is through the Millennial Mastermind. Uh, we have our kickoff in January, just next month. Uh, and we have two spots left to yes. fill. And uh, it is geared specifically uh, for those dentists who are male or female, who are practice owners or like in line already got, you know, everything's in place to become a practice owner. In other words, you can be a decision maker at your practice and you're within your first five years of owning that practice. Uh, and then you're millennium age-ish. So that probably means up to like 33, 34, somewhere in that ballpark uh, is what we want. And we get together twice uh, within a six, seven month period. Uh, once at my place here in Raleigh on, in January, once at Sully's place at the lake house in July. And we do virtual coaching and mentoring every month. Uh, and our participants for last year were very pleased. Um, at least 95% of them were very pleased. Oh yeah. It was, it was fun. It was like a good time. It's kind of a little working vacation for everyone too. So you got a review for this month? Yeah, before we get started with the amazing Rachel Wall, um, I do have a review. This is from the original dental assistant rock star. Who would that be? So we're not sure. <laughs> How are we going to send them I swag like, bag? I like the quote, though. It says, T-Bone gives you wings. <laughs> <laughs> Every time you think there is no way you can incorporate something into your practice or have the time, this podcast lays it all out and gives you such confidence to just do it. Best motivator ever. Great job. See, I'm getting a bigger and bigger head. I like the T-Bone gives you wings. <laughs> I, I like that. You know, I, I thought it was just T-Bone makes everybody gain weight. <laughs> we do eat a lot. <laughs> so uh, let's get to our interview with Rachel Wall. Uh, again, we live in a review economy. Please leave us a review. Please help us spread our message of saving, uh, or I don't want you to say saving, of enhancing private practice dentistry by sharing this podcast. And I always love having a conversation with Rachel Wall of Inspired Hygiene. And for once, we don't actually talk about perio <laughs> therapy. Or argue about or, perio. <laughs> or my deal about perio. We actually focus on the business and role of dental hygiene. I know you're going to love this interview. And we'll see you back next week on the T-Bone Speaks podcast. Now to our interview with Rachel Wall. Hi, I'm happy to be joined by Rachel Wall. Rachel, how are you doing? I'm doing great, T-Bone. You're, you're still teal to me, so. That's okay. Yeah. That's okay. Thank you. <laughs> uh, Rachel is uh, certainly an expert, well-known in I, I used to say the perio world, but uh, we should probably uh, redefine it as the hygiene world. So Rachel yep. was a practicing hygienist yep. here in Raleigh, yeah. then moved to Charlotte. Mm -hmm. I was going to try to hire you, then you left. You couldn't have worked for leave. me anyway. <laughs> you, you wouldn't have tolerated it. You, you wouldn't have put up with me. You know, you, you were too smart to put up I with me. I did leave. But driving back into Raleigh, it just brings back a lot of good memories. It's, it's fun being here. here. It is yeah. beautiful. Yeah, yes, it is. I love it. I love it. Well, Rachel, you're here speaking for ADOM, and yep. you're doing a hygiene uh, seminar tomorrow. Yep, hygiene coordinator. Hygiene course. coordinator. Yep, and, you know, I have my own issues with all this perio stuff. Yes, we so I don't want, about I don't want to hash that up again. <laughs> So I, I saw I, I saw the, I saw your agenda and I said, oh my God, let's definitely talk about this. So there's a few things I want to talk about today. I want to talk about hygiene schedule engineering, okay. the hygiene appointment flow, hygiene co-diagnosis, and some different hygiene compensation models. Okay. So those are the four things I want to cover today. And let's kind of go from there and okay. see what happens. Okay. I'm ready. So let's start with uh, you said on your brochure you said hygiene hygiene schedule engineering. Tell me about that. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there, podcast family. T-Bone here to talk about the 3D Dentist Digital Implant Continuum. Are you ready to start placing dental implants but feeling a bit hesitant and or overwhelmed? I know that feeling. I've been there. Let's change that together. Imagine not just learning about dental implants in a classroom, but actually performing surgeries on real patients right here in North Carolina 
guided every step of the way by our expert 3D mentors. This is dental implant learning at its best, using techniques that are safe, predictable, and confidence-boosting. They're exactly what I use in my own practice, so you know they work. Our course goes beyond clinical skills. We prepare you to successfully integrate high-demand implant services into your practice, transforming your career by attracting new patients and elevating your practice. And it doesn't end with the course. Completing our program is just the beginning of a new journey. You'll be a part of a community of confident, skilled dentists with ongoing support to ensure lasting success and growth. After all, this is about mastering a skill that can transform your career just like it did for me. So, are you ready to take your practice to the next level? Visit www.3d-dentist.com, check out our upcoming sessions, and join us to revolutionize your practice. 3D Dentist is truly committed to helping dentists take control of their practice, finances, and future. Now let's get back to this week's episode. So one of the things we do with our clients right off the bat is we we do a virtual audit of their schedule. So we look to see, because if they're looking to grow, right, Mm -hmm. if they're looking to do particular things or types of treatment or more new patients or things like that, and they want that to go through hygiene, they've got to have room in the schedule for that. And um, sometimes they don't think about that. And sometimes the schedule can be the biggest barrier to them really implementing something, right? So let's say they have wanted to do a perio mm-hmm. program and they can't figure out why it's not getting off They've the ground. The blocks for the scaling. Yeah. Coming. Or else the hygienist just says, you know, I can't even get this patient in for eight weeks. So no. I'm just going to do the best I can today and check it next time. And then that just cycle continues for years and years. So we look at it from that aspect. Mm-hmm. Like, do they have room and space in the, in the schedule? And is it realistic to their goals? Like for example, exactly. so like two years ago, we were averaging say 25 new patients a month. Yep. And then, and our, we had blocks for that. Right. Mm-hmm. But today, well, not, not today, but let's say a few months ago, we had those same blocks, but now we're at the 40, 42 mm-hmm. point new patients per month through hygiene I'm referring to. Yep. And so I was talking to my team and like, yeah, it's like six weeks, eight weeks before we can get new patients. And I'm like, that's dumb. Right. You know, so, so that, that is a great, to me, that's a very specific example yeah. uh, to that mm-hmm. uh, is that, you know, if we're averaging or if we're getting ready to do a marketing campaign, you know, we probably, and the hygiene schedule fills up six months in advance, yep, correct? That's right. So like we, we did a marketing campaign for new patients, let's say, and then so I need to have those blocks available. So that's the engineering, that you, that's part of the engineering. That's part of it, yeah, because otherwise you're kind of working against yourself. Right. If you say you have a goal of 40 new patients and you want most of them to come through hygiene, you've got 20 blocks, Right. It's just, the math doesn't add up. And it affects production too. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely affects production because if your schedule is just full of profi, 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 profi. Mm-hmm. Um, Especially at my MetLife fees. Yeah, <laughs> right. Well, I mean, a, a lot of dental practices are feeling that pinch. Yeah. And so that's the other thing we look at is if it looks like their schedule is just full, they don't have any room to expand in the practice and they want to do more productive services and hygiene or they want to see more new patients in hygiene, then we have to have that conversation say, hey, you know, can we refer you to somebody that can help you look at your plans? Maybe okay. it's time to drop something. I got you. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you're talking about dropping insurance. Sometimes okay. that comes up yeah. when we're doing that schedule engineering. Yeah. Um, the other thing that we see a lot is we'll see, um, in fact, just recently we did a chart audit or a scheduling audit rather, and we saw the blocks like outlined on the schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a profi right in the middle of two blocks. Right. So the patient says, well, I really need to come at 1030. And so they just move it. And they really see patients on the hour. Right. So they just put the patient at 1030 and then they have 30 minutes well, at 10 up, o'clock. It screws up two blocks, actually. Right, exactly. Yeah. They have a 10 o'clock, 30 minute, which unless it's a toddler, they're <laughs> probably not going to fill it, right? Because right. people aren't going to take their kids out of school most of the time right, to come to the dentist at 10 o'clock yeah. in the morning. And then where they maybe had a 90-minute new patient block, now that's gone. Right. So it's really directing patients. You, you know, the patient says, I want to come at 1030. So we could see it not at um, 10 or 11, which would mm-hmm. work better for you. So right. just these are simple, Verbals. basic things. Yeah, the words matter. Yeah, the words yeah. do matter. I want to give another example. Um, you know, one thing that, that I've been trying to coach and we've gotten pretty good at now is 
we were having a lot of this troubles that you were talking about uh, in terms of people putting asking for like odd times yeah. because um, we let them see our schedule. Uh, so they would stand up, they yes. would look at the schedule with us. So, and, and that, that part hasn't changed, but yeah. what has changed is the blocks. Like we have physical blocks there. Mm-hmm. So they don't see that time yeah. is open and they're like, hey, I want to come at 1045 yep. because that totally screws up what you're mm-hmm. talking about. It so does. for us, it was important to put those blocks in there. Uh, on a total side note, those blocks are problematic for us today because we're doing online scheduling now, mm-hmm. and so those blocks show up as taking up time. Taking up time. Mm-hmm. So, so we're trying to we're trying to you know work Figure through some, out. some things. Well, that's good. I'm glad you brought that up because more people are doing online scheduling, mm-hmm. and I think that that is something we need to be offering, right? Because that's the way must people be. live today, yeah, right? Must we be. must be. That's the way people are living today. Um, so I'm glad you said that because that's something that we need to be aware of and we need to yeah. start teaching around that. How well, do you, you, how know, do you, I would tell you that, um, handle that. Well, number one, you, you call local med. Yeah. There might be some other companies out there. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but local meds, the one we use. And, um, I had all these preconceived notions of what, uh, online schedule is going to be. And, 80 to 90% of them are not true. Okay. And uh, so we're, we're in control of what's available. We're in control of what kind of appointments can go mm-hmm. there. And at the end of the day, we get a notice immediately. We just pick up the phone and call them and say, hey, this was the wrong appointment. Let's move you to another time. Mm-hmm. So we've been happy with it. We've had it two weeks now only. Awesome. Maybe six months from now, I don't like it. But <laughs> two, right now we do. Okay. And I think the number is 10, to tw- 10 or 11 patients have scheduled online. Okay. Already. In two weeks. In two weeks. Yeah, and that'll only increase because you're going to be promoting it in oh, the yeah. office and online and everywhere. So. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's awesome. So yeah. one thing I, I was told to to look out for on when you in in implement online scheduling was um, that a lot of your recall patients won't pre schedule. They'll mm. start saying, "I'll look online." Ah. So you'll. So that's one thing that I want to I want to keep an eye on is uh, how many patients are we pre-booking? And then what I want the hygienist to do is pre-book them and say, now you can go online and change it mm-hmm. you know, as we get closer to the time. But I want them to leave with an appointment. So here are a couple things to think about is a lot of those patients like specific times. Mm-hmm. So you could say, hey, look, if you want this time, you yeah, need those to patients reserve aren't it the now. It's, it's the older right. patients that, you know. But, but some of them are scheduling in the middle of the day anyway. Right. Um, so... Yeah, you want to reserve your prime time so those mm-hmm. people get it and they're going to go ahead and reserve their time. For us, prime time is 7 o'clock to 9 o'clock and then uh, 3.30 and all right. That's right. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing is it'll be interesting to see what happens with the let's go ahead and reserve your time and then you can change it online is to me that makes me nervous because it almost makes it easy for patients to change their appointments. So is there something that I don't know if they can change it online. Okay. okay. So I, I, yeah, I don't know if they can delete appointments because yes. actually, I'm pretty or sure they can't. I'm pretty sure they okay. can't delete them because okay. it would show up as unused as unavailable. Time. Yeah. The other so. great thing is for those patients that have a history of short mm-hmm. cancellations, oh, yeah, that's perfect. then you just say, you know what, why here's don't our, you just book here's online. Our online system? Exactly. Yeah. So uh, mm-hmm. I'm interested in seeing, we haven't had any openings in hygiene recently. I'm interested in seeing how it works for a short fill to yeah. be able to, to be able to have people, you know, go out there. But anyway, mm-hmm. I'm digressing from the schedule engineering. I have a tendency to do that. No, that's good. This so. is all part of it. So, so reserving time for the mm-hmm. procedures that you want to do, whether it's new patients coming into hygiene, mm-hmm. um, even if the doctor wants to see new patients first, it's good to reserve the time for the patients yeah. to come back for their profi. Right. Um, Periotherapy, right? Reserving time for that. You're creating this sense of urgency, and then you have nowhere to put them. Uh, You know, the other thing that I've noticed is um, we have a tendency to fill what we schedule. You know, so if we create the blocks for perio, we find a way to fill it with perio. Yeah, If right. we create a block for totally. new patients, the, you know, it, there's a psychological Absolutely. effect that, oh, that time is for new patients. I need to put a new patient there. Or I need yep. to suddenly, if you like, I, this is probably not true. If you've been averaging 10 new patients and you like want to go to 15, I'd say just put 15 blocks in and see mm-hmm. what the hell happens. I'll, I think within a few months, you'll suddenly start having 15 without changing any of your marketing. Yeah. And I will tell you I, that happens with perio. Mm-hmm. So same thing is, and we tell them, we say, look, now it's treatment's not going to just automatically show up in those blocks. You've got a schedule to the blocks, but even if, and we say put blocks on the schedule, even if your schedule's pretty open, mm-hmm. oh, put because them in. it's just training your mind like, okay, I, I've got to be diagnosing and presenting treatment. Or you have to start coaching for the future. 
Exactly. Bad habits. Like that's a problem we have. That's a big issue we had in our practice. And to a certain degree with my schedule, we still have to a certain degree where uh, we've, we've created a culture where patients can get seen, you know, mm-hmm. because I'm willing to work through lunch, willing mm-hmm. to stay late, willing to come in early. So then their reservation isn't quite as special right. if they know. Or if they call, they're like, oh, he saw me at five o'clock last time. I'm like, oh, well, now he has kids to, you know, mm-hmm. pick up and do I stuff know. with. And now, and now they kind of come. Yeah, so we do train our patients. So hygiene schedule engineering. So yeah. I, one, one of the things I love that you're talking about, okay, and I want our listeners to hear this. We didn't once really talk about scheduling for productivity, mm-hmm. okay, is I, I think there's some danger in scheduling for productivity. Okay. I prefer, I mean, it's important, don't get me yeah. wrong. I believe that you work m- even more backwards from that and you, you base your productivity on what types of procedures and patients right. you want to do and then you schedule for that. So it's the same thing as same scheduling. Thing. It, same but, thing as block scheduling. But I think... I think that, again, I go back to the psychology of it. I think there's such a big psychology difference when you're teaching your team to schedule for money, money, money versus scheduling for new patients, perio, the right, the right things, right? right? right. And so it, it trains a culture that's not so money-focused. Yeah. It's more service-focused, right? right? And, and what we teach our clients, too, around these blocks, because the other thing, if you have... If you have blocks in place, then you've got to come up with some kind of agreement of when are we going to release a block. Yeah. So it might be we're going to release it the week of. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to release. We're going to hold it for two days out. It kind of depends on Practice. how busy you are, yeah. how many new patient calls you get in a day. Like what the you know? Do you have a long? short call list that you can mm-hmm. fill things pretty quickly. It just depends on the So practice. one of the things I'm trying to implement in our office is not releasing them as early as we used to because I want those times to be for emergency patients too. I think too often practices think of emergencies always coming in the doctor and the assistant mm-hmm. schedule. I think a hygienist can do that sure. too. There's nothing, at the end of my hygienist, you know, pre-diagnosis yeah. on new patient visits and recalls, why is it any different for them to see the emergency? And quite frankly, it's as, at least in our fee schedules, it's as productive mm-hmm. as seeing a, as a seeing a recall, I liked and it's it. less stressful for me yeah. and my assistant. Yep. You know, if I'm like I'm, you know, it just it just mm-hmm. piles on. So like, put mm-hmm. them in the hygiene schedule, and mm-hmm. you know, we'll figure it out from there. I always liked seeing emergencies yeah. because I could make them feel comfortable, and I felt like I was addressing somebody's need pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, I can kind of think through what could be happening here, what images need to be taken. Mm-hmm. You know, what questions to ask. You can plant the seed about becoming a new exactly. patient. You can plant the seed like maybe this isn't a good patient mm-hmm. for us. Right. Because at the end of the day, you're the one doing those things mm-hmm. as a hygienist. So um, mm-hmm. those are those are important things. Mm-hmm. So we talked about schedule engineering. Yep. Okay. Uh, so we, there's certainly some very important points there. So let's move on to... Uh, the hygiene appointment flow. Okay. okay. So I assume here you're talking about the inner workings of the actual appointment mm-hmm. itself. So mm-hmm. talk to me about that. So we're going to assume that a lot of your listeners' hygiene appointments are 60 minutes. Uh, that would probably be an incorrect. Okay. If they, if they okay. listen to me, that's a correct assumption. Yep. But I'm shocked uh, at how many people uh, still do 45-minute appointments, uh, which so, I think is bad. Yeah, so here's what we're seeing is it's there, it's tough because if you have low reimbursing mm-hmm. fees, it's got to give somewhere, right? Sometimes well, you have to look at, you have to look. So hang on, yeah, let me get there because yeah, I know where you're, I think I know where you're yeah, going Yeah, you know where I'm that. going. So the short, mm-hmm. the short kind of sided look mm-hmm. at it is hygiene's got to be producing X per hour right. and all of that. And to do that with certain reimbursement yeah. schedules. Which 80% of us are in PPO schedules. Right, you have to shorten appointment times. Right. But what we see mm-hmm. is when appointment times are scheduled, particularly to 45 minutes or less, there less. are some, <laughs> yeah, there are some rock star hygienists yeah. who can do a great job in 50 minutes. I, I'm not one of those. Like, right. I want to have more, a little bit more time because there's a lot of things that I want to discuss with the patient and educate and really build that relationship mm-hmm. and also create uh, an easy exam for the doctor mm-hmm. so that everything's kind of teed yeah. up and ready to go. So if you look at the longer game with it, then that time is really spent on really building the doctor's schedule. Like, so scaling shouldn't increase, like, like scaling right, time. Right, that's what we see. Okay. Is scaling, when, yeah, that's what we see. The scaling time should be the same, whether it's a, tw- let's call it 30-minute appointment to 60-minute appointment. The scaling time 
shouldn't be shouldn't change that much. Okay, right. So we teach this concept of twenty twenty twenty. I didn't invent that, but it's something that's been tried mm-hmm. and true. I think Vicky McManus sure. invented that one day, <laughs> uh, twenty years ago when I worked with her. So we'll give her some credit for yeah, that. Absolutely. Um, so twenty minutes. First twenty minutes is that hygiene exam. Right. So they're collecting all the data, right? In your practice, right? Mm-hmm. Fact finding your practice. They're using the scanner. They're taking yeah. intro photos. The most important um, time. Most important time, yeah. hands down. I tell my I tell hands so I, down. So I got invited to speak at a local hygiene school, a community college down in Sanford, um, and uh, you know I the so I went in there and I said, listen, they're focused on teaching you guys scaling. It's the least important part of your job. Okay, I, it, I mean, at the end of the day, if you can't scale teeth, you'll never get a job. You should go do something right. else anyway. That should be a so given. It should be, it should be assumed that yes. you can scale properly. That's right. So, yeah. So, so yes. if you don't mind, I want to kind of walk through. So, so let's back up for a second. Okay. So I want to make some, a, a clarification here. If you're trying to build a traditional general dentist practice, that's drill, fill and bill, just very traditional, and you can make a fantastic living. Stick with 45-minute visits. Stick with basic technology. Don't change too much. Don't worry about schedule engineering. Don't worry about those things, okay? If you're trying to build a more modern practice or a more recession-proof and or DSO-proof practice, which is what we espouse here on our podcast, it is unbelievably imperative for you to move to 60-minute appointments. You will see a you'll see a one or two month decrease, and then then it'll it'll totally go away. It'll be increase. Mm-hmm. Now that first twenty minutes you're talking about, um, we're taking intraoral f- pictures. Mm-hmm. So I, let me back up. We're taking X rays for us. That's a cone beam and seven intraoral X rays. Okay. Uh, we're taking f- digital photographs. And we're taking a digital impression of every yep. new patient that comes into our practice. So okay. that's, uh, that's the first 20-ish And they're minutes. probably doing perio screening. Yes, of course. That, yep. The charting is there, absolutely. Yep. Intra, uh, oral cancer screening, absolutely. all of that, yeah. medical history review, all yeah. those things. And all of that should be done before we ever pick up a scaler. Right. Because that's way more Or before more important. you tell the doctor that you're ready for an exam. Exactly. So what we teach is once all that is done, mm-hmm. takes about 20 minutes or so. Then you call for the doctor, because mm-hmm. doctor can come in at any point then. Yep, absolutely. And then you can start scaling. Mm-hmm. And I am completely interruptible. So yeah. if doctor, co- I want doctor to come mm-hmm. in during scaling time, because that means there's no wait time for the doctor exam. Right. And, but you can't do the exam until you get the facts. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And I don't, as a hygienist, I don't really know what I'm going to do until mm-hmm. I collect the facts, right. I, even if it's an existing patient. Things change with patients mm-hmm. from time to time that they see you, right? Absolutely. So, you know, if I have been seeing a patient for five years and we have a pretty good, you know, protocol and screening and that kind of thing, chances are it's going to be whatever's on the It'll schedule. It'll be a five-minute fact-finding. But finding. things yeah. happen, right? Right. So I've got to make sure I know what I'm doing that day is, is correct or what's right. on the schedule that I'm planning to do is correct. So then uh, that leaves about 20 minutes for scale and polish. Right. And what we say is if you are spending a lot more than 20 to 25 minutes profi. on scale and polish, it's not a single profi. Okay. It could be two profis, right? Let's say they mm-hmm. have a lot of stain, but they're healthy. Right. If the patient really wants you to get every single speck of calculus off, then they, or I'm sorry, uh, stain, then they can come back for another profi. Right, absolutely. Um, but that's what we see when times get shortened to that 45 or 40 minutes. The, the exam, that fact-finding isn't valued or it's not done so it's not done it's it's not valued so it's not done and so then you're in this kind of vicious cycle of i'm not diagnosing what really needs to be done on this patient so so a lot of times the profies just get more and more difficult and so the hygienists are spending more a higher percentage of that appointment on skin stay with us we'll be right back hello podcast family t-bone here bringing you our newest live patient implant training Full Arch Express. For dentists already placing implants and ready to level up and continue building their implant practice, this is the golden ticket. We're diving deep into Full Arch Implants, the hottest game changer in implant dentistry. In this program, we tackle both overdentures and all annex fixed hybrids, mastering techniques that are essential for modern, comprehensive dental care. It's about getting your hands on the tools and techniques that will replace the doubt and fear with confidence and predictability. Here's the kicker. There's live patient training, 
right here in North Carolina. You're not just learning theories. You're in the operatory doing real work on real patient from start to finish, guided one-on-one by our expert 3D mentors. You'll learn the nuances of each approach, ensuring you can cater to a wide range of patients to maximize revenue. Speaking of revenue, with me, you know it's not just about the clinical skills. We're bringing business into this aspect too, teaching you how to integrate these advanced services profitably into your practice. So are you ready to rise up to the top in implant dentistry? Join us at the Full Arch Express. This isn't just another course. It's a career-defining leap. Head to www.3d-dentist.com to enroll in our next session. 3D Dentist is truly committed to helping dentists take control of their practice, finances, and future. Now, back to this week's episode. Yeah, your patients don't want you to scale that long, just so you know. They don't, but yet for some, you know, for them, it's the, it's the thing, it's the tangible thing that they right. know happens at their visit. So it's important to them. And so, so many times hygienists adopt that as the most, most important thing. Plus, like you said, you, we kind of, ha- I mean, I was teaching some hygienists last week about stain removal. And if you've got 96% of the stain off, don't spend another, I mean, really, minutes. if you've got yeah. 90% of the stain off, don't spend another 20 minutes getting the other 10%. Yeah. The patient most of the time doesn't care or they can't see it. Yeah, that's true. But they're stuck in, if if I were to see this patient in hygiene school, I would I, oh, yeah. I would get a bad grade. I would, get, I would fail. Right. right. So 15 years later, that's still kind of, that seed is implanted yeah. there. So it's good that you give yeah. them that. It's it's a completely counter, yeah. counter, but that's what you're all about. I would use it as a selling point to your patient. Let's say, hey, Mrs. Jones or Mr. Jones, you know, we weren't able to complete everything. We probably need to look at going to a four-month or a three-month exactly. recall. Or, you know, or, you know, or we want to do a second cleaning visit. Yeah, or you should use a Sonicare between visits that's yeah. going to keep the stain down yeah. or whatever. Or whatever, bri- yeah, it, is gonna, it doesn't matter. Right, is, gonna, yeah. is going to keep that stain down between yeah. those visits. Well, maybe you should stop drinking tea and coffee. Well, my Indian patients, they stop drinking and eating all that stuff that we have in India that stains teeth. Mm-hmm. All right, so we've talked a yeah. little about the hygiene appointment. Let me ask yep. you, I want to go back. Of your clients, what percentage or how often are you seeing digital impression systems uh, dedicated to hygiene rooms? Mm, almost never. Almost never. Yep. I think we're getting close to a tipping point. Good. Um, you know, I think what's happening is, at least in our office, so our office has two prime scans, two iteros. The two prime scans are dedicated to the doctors and our champions, sleep, uh, sleep champion in our practice, uh, and consultations. Okay. So that's where the two prime scans kind of float around. And then we have two iteros that are dedicated to uh, the hygienists mm-hmm. and, and uh, Invisalign in our case. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I think that by the end of 2020, I'll have one more of each. Um, okay, great. To, so that we can have every operatory with a digital impression system in there. What's the time that it takes your hygienist to do the scan? Uh, the digital impression? So probably somewhere in the five to seven minute bulb. Not even, not even let's say five minutes. Yeah. So, so five, I say five to seven because that's the whole process. That, so for us, what we do in that five to seven minutes is we take the physical digital impression, we show it to the patient, we kind of ooh-ah-wah, you know, the sizzle yep. with it. Then we click the virtual clean check. And then we show them what their teeth would look like if they ever chose to look Straight. at a tooth mm-hmm. mo- tooth movement, mm-hmm. and uh, and and then it's also a legal record for us Absolutely. of where the patient is. Yep. And we've had a few patients where they say, "Well, my recession's not that bad," or my some of my long time you know patients that have been with me three or four years. Uh, in terms of with the digital impressions now, we can show them the after and say, yeah. hey, you are wearing that canine, mm-hmm. and this is why you have that abfraction yep. and stuff like that. Yeah, that's so, fantastic. And the patients buy in more for that. Right, and so I think we've got to move away from the manual charting mm-hmm. of all existing and right. all of that. That takes probably twice as long as the scan. Yeah. Exactly, and, and well, quite frankly, you can do it after the fact. Once you have pictures and or the digital impression. If you impression. need to, yeah. And, you know, because we're still built, like I want to see what's in there. Mm-hmm. But, but, you know, I, I think, um, so for my pra- my friends that are listening that are very 
proactive practices that are somewhat business-minded, just get a digital impression yeah. system and put them in your hygiene chairs and teach them how to use it and mm-hmm. see, see what in the world happens. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, you can resell it on eBay or maybe the company will take, take it back from you. But so. the other thing it does, too, and this is what I really want to get across to uh, if there are any hygienists listening or really anybody, but it's frustrating sometimes because the hygienists are, and everybody is... Um, somewhat resistant to change, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you've you gotten used to it. I've gotten used to it. Things well, I'm just resistant change. to change, But too. sometimes I'm still resistant yeah. to it, right? My team will tell you that, right? When they want to do something a little different, I'm like, but this has been this working. Is, it's working. It's Why, working? Are Why are we changing it, right? It? So, um, so sometimes they're resistant to change, but for me, that's exciting. It's like, yeah. here, I'm investing in, in your ability mm. to communicate with our patients at a completely different level. Yeah. And that's exciting. That's what keeps hygiene interesting because otherwise it's just running through the schedule doing yeah. one profi after another, and that can get really boring after well, a while. That's why, you know, there's Facebook groups dedicated to hygienists getting out of the operatory, right? Exactly. And quite frankly, I think part of that is because they're bored at their job. That's right. And, you know, I tell, you know, part of my cell to my hygienist uh, that when we do new things, I said, imagine this, when you leave here, you'll have a skill that'll get Absolutely. you a job anywhere else. Anywhere. You know? And, 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 and it's probably going to get, yeah, it's going to give them skills whether they stay in the op or mm-hmm. they decide to move out of the op. Absolutely. And, and so that's about growing at the end of yeah. the day. But I, I, I'll say one thing differently than you will. I will say that I think it'll be more dentist driven to get the hygienist to do it. Because, well, it is to, now because yes. we can we can mandate it in a way. Yes. Uh, so I think yes. I think it's going to be hard to get the hygienist to make some of these I totally changes. Agree. But if we can yes. we can get the message to dentists to understand how important hygiene is yeah. for these things. So so my position on it is when these things come into your practice, be open. Yeah. Because you're right, it is going to be totally dentist driven. Yeah. There's going to be a teeny teeny tiny percentage, just like there were mm-hmm. with. Um, you know, with the, the perioscope and right. things like that, people that will go out and do that kind of thing on their own, people that buy their own equipment, that's still a teeny tiny percentage of hygienists. So the vast majority is dentist driven. So my point is for hygienists is just be open. Yeah. Be open, learn new things, challenge the way you've always done things. That's what keeps life interesting. In Otherwise, ten, it's just going to get boring. Or you'll be obsolete in five to ten years. Yeah. You know, I mean, pretty much. So. Mm-hmm. All right, so we've talked about the hygiene appointment flow. Like, so, so let's back up for a second. So we talked about, in other words, scheduling properly, you know, having enough blocks for new patients, for recalls, for perio treatment that you want to do. In other words, block based on how much you want to do. Yep. Okay. Then we talked a little bit about what we do during the appointment. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think the key takeaway for me and for the listeners should be that the hygienists are ready for an exam. They physically tell you they're ready for exam yep. at the 20-minute mark. So that way you have 40 minutes That's as right. the dentist to not make your hygienist run behind. That's right. Okay. And also you have 40 minutes to find the best time for you to leave your operatory to go do the yep. all important hygiene checks. That's right. Now we've, we're starting to see our hygienists being more productive. They're having better schedules. They're having more time. They're engaging with our patients a little bit more. And that'll lead us to our next topic. Mm-hmm. And that's the topic of the, the hygienist and the co-diagnosis. Mm-hmm. So, so talk to me about that. So this is perfect lead in because that's what the hygienists are doing with the scan and all of that. So you talked about the fact finding, right? Mm -hmm. And all of that data being collected before the hygienist calls the dentist. So I'm, I'm going to go, I'm trying to go backwards, but I'm not, I'm going (laughs) to, so that I can keep my brain on track here. All right. So in order to increase the co-diagnosis and increase that hygienist confidence Mm -hmm. in teeing up, non-hygiene treatment, right? Right. So operative, restorative, surgical, whatever it is that you recommend, is I have found that there are three key things that as dentists, as leaders, they've got to do for their hygienist to get that there. Because a lot of times they complain and they say, well, sometimes they complain and say, well, you know, my hygienist just isn't talking about restorative or Mm -hmm. I go in and they don't say anything. Like I have to pull everything out of them. And we tell hygienists, we say, you've got to take control. Hygienists should take control of that doctor exam. The hygienist should be running that doctor exam. Because that doctor's just come out of who knows what kind of procedure. Can I say something chauvinistic? (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I I always tell my hygienist, look, number one, 
95, I assume 90 to 95% of all hygienists are female, correct? Probably you still, know, pr- yes. Yeah, probably, let's call it even 80%. Yeah. One thing I know about women is they know how to move men to get what they want or to do what they want them to do, right? Okay. So I tell my hygienist, I said, pretend I'm your boyfriend or brother <laughs> or something and just tell me, just just lead me along the yeah. way so I don't screw it up, yeah. right? Yeah. And so that's, you know, I'm okay. just trying to get it out of them. Okay, so... So number one is it's very important for dentists to uh, very explicitly give their hygienist permission to think like a dentist. Right. So even though very important. you've been working with Megan mm-hmm. for years, yeah. right, it's important periodically, and particularly if you, because you guys are always upping your game with different procedures right. and more complex treatment plans and things like that, to say, hey, guys, I, I want you to know you have my permission to think like me and to talk to the patients this way. Yeah. And and then the next thing is you've got to educate them. And I know you do that all, mm. all the time is educating them to here's what we're doing. Here's why we're doing this. So they have to understand your treatment philosophy. Yeah. So we teach it in something super simple. It's just called a case review meeting. Mm-hmm. And we say once a month at least – bring cases to the table to your entire team, not just hygiene, because you and your dental assistant see oh, yeah. we, we're, what's we're in all, there all day long. Like we don't even talk. Yeah. Like it's just, because it's happens. all natural, yeah. right? It's just, it's just it becomes that muscle memory of, you know, how what's happening there. And you're not surprised by anything that you see when you open up a big old nasty amalgam or whatever, but the hygienists and the business team, they never see that. So if you can take some photos during that process and say, this is what we see. This is why we're recommending our Mm -hmm. patients replace these old amalgams because this is the crap that we see when we take it out. And have some examples of what we have pictures of what teeth look like when you have amalgams out. So take the amalgam out, take a picture before you do any more prepping and then prep it or prep it. They don't understand. They don't really all also know like what does a crown prep look like? How Mm -hmm. much of the tooth am we having to take down? I mean, you're taking down a lot of that tooth structure in order to strengthen it. So they've got to know that. So it gives the hygienist confidence because they now understand, okay, all right, so this is what they're seeing. If you see incipient decay, you know, sometimes the hygienist might think, well, yeah, yeah, let's just watch it. Do we really need to do something? But then when you, you know, open that up and you see where it goes, you know, How how deep it is, how close it is to the nerve. How sometimes it blows up, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it's a little wormhole right to the nerve, right? right? They need to see that so they're not questioning what you're recommending and so that they can speak with experience and confidence to the patient To the patient of, yeah. here's what I see. Doctor's going to come in and confirm this, right? They're not making the final diagnosis, right. but they know enough to educate so the that's patient. That's all legal mumbo-jumbo, by the way. It is, exactly. So, A, give them permission and don't think that they just know that you want them to do that. Right. You have to tell them. Yeah, because, uh, so we just hired a new hygienist, and she was like mouse quiet in the beginning. And, uh, you know, I told her what we were like and how it worked. And uh, so I reminded her, I said, hey, I, I just want you to know she goes, I'm so not used to that. I was just so, I was told to be quiet. Yeah. You know, and mm-hmm. so sometimes you have to untrain. That's why it's so mm-hmm. important to give permission. Yep. Yeah, give them yeah. permission. Then build that knowledge base, get them super aligned with your treatment philosophy. And the last thing is then hold them accountable and tell them you're going That's to. That's the hard part. To, it Most is. Most dentists struggle with that. They do because they, they don't want to, it doesn't have to be a mean thing, but you've got to set the expectation for the hygienist. So here's the deal is you have the scanner. So when I come in to do the exam, I expect for those intro photos mm-hmm. to be taken and the scan to be done. And so if it's not then I'm assuming you didn't finish the hygiene exam and I'll have to come back. Right. All and it takes is a few times of doing right. that and it's done. I mean, you know, I worked with Chris Bowman for yeah. nine years and he would say, you know what, go ahead and take that photo and I'll come back. Come back and I'm yeah. like, huh. Why didn't I just take it to begin with? Right. So yeah. it just took a couple times and then I I knew I do not call him until I have the photos ready. Yeah, you know, I think, um, so just to review, it's giving hygienists permission, okay, educating them, yeah. And I want to make a comment on that. And then the third thing is the accountability. 
And the accountability is where most dentists struggle. You know, I, I listen, at least in my head, what often goes through, well, God, hygienists are hard to find. I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to go. I, I don't want to deal with the pain of losing a hygienist and all of that stuff. But at some point, you have to be true to your practice and true to yourself and just have to hold people accountable. Mm-hmm. And what I have found more often than not is people want to be held accountable because have, most good people want to improve. And accountability yeah. isn't about being mean, as you said. Right. You know, accountability is about making mention, hey, you know, we're making good progress on these uh, Itero scans. I noticed last month we had, you had 20 new patients and we only took 10 of these mm-hmm. scans. You know, what would it take to get to the next mm-hmm. step? So there's nothing mean about that, right? No, and it, it might be something like, well, the scanner is at the opposite end of the hall. Well, what they told me is they didn't like the tips I was using because my tips were, were fogging up, so they wanted me to get different tips for it. And you wouldn't have known that had you not brought no, that up. No, so I said, okay, so you're talking about $50 a month? Yeah. Just And this will get, get rid yeah. of this problem like okay just right. buy a hundred of them right let's move on mm-hmm. right yeah. yeah so sometimes it's something like that or um we a lot of times find out that the hygienist didn't know that they could ask for equipment like new mm-hmm. ultrasonic tips and things like that because maybe one time six months ago <laughs> i said no somebody said you know what we got to really buckle down on the budget or whatever yeah. well i can't ask for anything well but the dentist is buying burrs mm-hmm. so you got to have the instruments to do what you need to do and if you're doing a lot during your appointment, you need to be using your ultrasonics. Yeah. Well, you so, should be using your ultrasonics more than scales. Absolutely. A hundred percent. That's a big thing that we believe in is our ultrasonics should be our primary scaling tool. Yeah. We'll make it easier. Absolutely. So back to that co-diagnosis is that, so that's where the hygienist can really take responsibility for mm-hmm. that wait time is calling the doctor early, getting all the, that data early. Mm-hmm. And then making it easy for the doctor to come in and do the exam because right. you're more likely to, to break away to do an exam if you know it's going to be easy and they're going to have everything teed up than if you're going to have to go in and start that whole conversation oh from God. scratch. I, I hate it. Right? I hate it when I have to do that. Right. You know, I think overall, and we'll move on to the next topic, is I think if, if any dentist or any hygienist or any assistant or any team member listening, if you will figure out what it takes to make your practice life easier for your owner, you will become irreplaceable. Yeah. And when you become irreplaceable, you, you can grow, you can earn, you can, you can get time off, you can, you know, you can, I don't want to say you can call the shots, but you can have conversations mm-hmm. because you've earned that right mm-hmm. to have it. And to mm-hmm. me, it's, it's, listen, just make my life easy mm-hmm. and we'll be fine. Yeah. You know, so... That's good. Yeah. All right, so we've talked about the co-diagnosis. Now, let's talk about the last topic for today. Probably a complicated, probably a very difficult topic to talk about for most people and a topic that many dentists probably don't like mm-hmm. other people talking about, and that's hygiene compensation mm-hmm. models. So, so talk to me about that. What's, mm-hmm. what's the latest and greatest, I hate to say that, but well, on hygiene comp? So I'm going to make a co- two disclaimers yeah. So one is I'm not a CPA, right? Okay. And I don't have the P&Ls of every person listening right yeah. now. So you have to make decisions based on what's right for right. your practice. And um, and there are pros and cons to every single compensation Absolutely. model. Okay? There's no right. There's no perfect one. No, there's not. It just not. doesn't exist. There's not. And um, as far as latest and greatest, <laughs> um, I, I don't know. You know, I'm not usually an early adopter. I'm kind of the like steady, right. the, st- the steady one. So I don't know that there's anything flashy that, that I could tell you, but um, we see everything. We see, so I'll just kind of throw out some things that okay. we see and some of the things that work with it and some that don't, and then I'll tell you what we have seen work the best. So obviously you have everything from, you know, straight hourly and there's mm-hmm. no incentive to full commission. You know, mm-hmm. they're making a percentage of whatever their what net, they do. Yeah. net production, mm-hmm. okay, just make sure everybody heard Adjusted, that. basically. Yeah, yeah net production because you can't pay on what you can't collect. I can't pay you on my fake fees. Right. I got to pay you on my MetLife fees. That's right. Yeah. So that's tricky, and that mm. needs to be laid out. So whatever mm. comp plan you're looking at, you've got to do the math for your team and show them here's the potential, you know, here's the upside. So you've got to have agreements in place. You do. So if you're moving more to a commission based and, and again, there's everything. And are you seeing that more and more? We are seeing that more and more. Because yep. I, I don't want to say I'm anti it, but I've been resistant 
uh, to yeah. it. So I, I'm I'm personally very keenly interested in understanding yeah. how and why this works. Yeah. So yes, we are seeing that. Um, I think that people like to have some control over or feel like they have some control Mm -hmm. over their income in some way that they can influence that. Um, If you are moving to something, what we see works a lot and what we typically recommend most of the time is some type of base pay that, and then once the hydrogen gets to that three to one profitability point, so they are producing three times the compensation, then they get a percentage of the overage. Okay. Okay. Now the base pay isn't like a normal pay. Right, it's typically a little bit lower okay. than what the going rate is in your area. Okay. Because they can't have they can't have the cake and eat it too, right? Right. Okay. And you want to you want to get as close to that three to one as you can. Now, yeah. um, so let me finish that train of thought. So they're making a percentage of whatever's over. If you have a team bonus, and this takes some math, but if you have a team bonus, I I I encourage you to not. Remove the hygienist from, from the that. team bonus. Wow. Okay. Because then it just be, it tends to become all about what's happening on the hygiene schedule. So they schedule. become like this little division. Yeah, and that they're does separated. Their own thing. Yeah. And you want them to be co-diagnosing. You yeah. want them to be teeing up treatment so they can benefit from what how the whole practice does. Right. Right. There are so many like theories around all of this. Is some people say, well, you should be bonusing each individual in the practice differently. I mean, I don't know how you keep up with that. Mm -hmm. Sounds complicated Um, to me. And a team bonus, you're always going to have some people on the team that are slackers or, you know, but you can deal with that in other ways. you got to vote them off the island. Right. You can deal with that (laughs) in other ways. Um, We have seen uh, one big practice um, in Texas. They had all the hygiene, all the hygienists. It was a commission pool. Oh, wow. So they all made the same like percentage. The they made the same percentage based on what the whole hygiene department produced. That's not a terrible idea. Yeah, and it worked for them. Mm-hmm. And when a new hygienist came in, they would pay them hourly for six months. Mm-hmm. And then the hygienists that were in the pool would decide whether or not that hygienist gets to join. Oh, so wow. they would also be responsible for kind of mentoring and training that hygienist into someone that can you know, recommend treatment and all of that kind of thing. So that's kind of interesting. So whatever that percentage is, I just encourage you to think about what the team bonus can be and factor that into. How important do you think these compensation talks are between dentists and hygienists for us to get to get closer in alignment of where we want to get the practice to? I think, like you said, if you want to run a modern dental practice, I think they're very important. Because otherwise, um, a lot of times you have team members who just expect to get a raise every year, Mm -hmm. no matter how well the practice is doing. And sometimes that's going to be to your benefit, right, Mm -hmm. as the owner. And sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's going to be a really tense situation because maybe you don't feel like they have earned that raise, you know, with their participation and their willingness to grow. Um, sometimes from a profitability standpoint, they're pricing themselves out oh, because yeah. of your reimbursement level. Right. And which while, isn't going up. Which isn't going up. And while that's not, it's not the hygienist, they can't control what plans that you take. But it's a reality of the but business. But it is a reality in. of the business that we're in. Right. And if those plans are creating busyness and work for that hygienist, then you kind of have to look at the pros and cons of theirs. Like, well, you may not have a job here if we didn't accept xyz plans because we wouldn't have that patient flow and that that's a tough conversation to have Mm -hmm. but it it yeah it's i think it's important for them to understand that there are certain things in the business that are just a given you know what i've always the tact i've always taken is i I try to meet with people individually every week not like a scheduled meeting but we have a standing rule in the office that i want to sit down with everybody for two minutes three minutes just in passing every week everybody at least once just to shoot the shoot what's going on okay how's their life is how that stuff is and every once in a while i'll bring in like i'll say i'll say let's i'll use megan for example i'll say megan so tell me what is your goal five years from now Mm -hmm. like what you know where do what kind of income do you want to have and it can't be a lot you know you got to give me some specifics right you can't just say more yeah so give me some specifics Mm -hmm. and the reason i ask megan is i want to devise a plan because i value you Okay, but there are realities of the business, and I want to devise a plan that can help us get there. Okay, and knowing where you want to get to is the first step of being able mm-hmm. to devise that plan. And it's amazing to me what some people say. Some people say they don't want to make any more money, they just want more time off. Mm-hmm. Some people say, you know what, 
I just want some other instruments. You know, some people will say, hey, you know, I need to make this. And you can you can head it off in the past of people leaving because you're yeah. not you're not, you're not giving, listening or giving not them listening. what they need. Yeah, or they're afraid. They're more afraid to ask you than mm-hmm. you are to ask them. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what I believe. So I would say having that expectation too that you're going to meet with them, so that when you say, "Hey, can you hang out for a couple yeah. minutes at the end of the it's day?" They this, don't feel like they're in trouble. Right. Yeah. So you've set that expectation. I will tell you that is exponentially yeah. more than most dentists meet with their team because nobody likes <laughs> to do reviews. Yeah. But when you're doing it every week or even once a month, uh, then weekly. it doesn't yeah. have to become this big like thing where we're going to talk about my performance. So do you do anything more formally at other times of the year? I'm, look, I'm the HR nightmare of dentistry. Okay? <laughs> right, well, we won't get into in, that. In every way possible, okay? Um, look, I... I'm forced to do 90 day reviews and they're, they're, they're okay. You know, I'm not the best at them. You mean when a new team member starts or for everybody? A new team member okay. starts. Okay. And then I don't do reviews anymore because honestly, I, I am sitting down with my team members all the time. Yeah. I mean, all the time. And, and, uh, and, you know, another tip on this, the rule isn't, is I don't initiate the sitting down. The team members come. Okay. And it's and I and it's and I tell him I'm busy. And you know, oftentimes team members will say, Oh, he's busy and all I'm doing is looking at my computer. Uh-huh. Right? I'm not really busy. Yeah. Right. So I, I say, listen, just come in the room, sit down, you know, if you got a few, few minutes, you know, you'll sit there for thirty seconds and I'll probably notice that you're here and I'm like, Hey Rachel, what's up? You got something on your mind? What do you want what's mm-hmm. going on? And then we'll just have this organic yeah. conversation. And what I what I typically try to do is sixty, seventy percent of the time it's not nothing really like very pinpointed mm-hmm. and then a few times we'll have a conversation about hey i want to focus on this now when some a new hire comes on it's probably the opposite it's mm-hmm. probably 60 70 percent of the time we're, fo- we're focusing on progressing mm-hmm. and a little bit about uh their their personal mm-hmm. life okay so these weekly meetings mm-hmm. they're initiating that that's correct i hate to call them meetings because meetings sounds like just you schedule check them. in yeah. yeah we're just having a check-in yeah. that and you set the expectation that you want them to come to you once a week. And yeah, I, I tell, okay. I'm, I, I don't, there's no formal thing here, but sure. I tell, I, I would say like, hey, say when I hired, let's say I hire you, Rachel, like, hey, Rachel, listen, people that, people I work best with, people that last the longest, that do the best here, we have a tendency to sit down once a week so okay. that we can, we know each other, you know what I'm thinking, mm-hmm. I know what's going on in your life. Because I treat everybody like family and I, mm-hmm. I want to know what's going on. Mm-hmm. So do me a favor. I totally, if I slip my mind, there's 10 of you in my practice. So if I tried to schedule time, it never happened. Anytime you see me, anytime you got a few, few minutes, regardless of what I'm doing, you come in and say, is now a good time? Yeah. Okay. So it's when you're yeah. free, not when I'm free. Mm-hmm. And we try to set that expectation mm-hmm. and it takes people, what I've noticed is it takes, some people go to it right away mm-hmm. and some people, you, they're, it's so unique and different it is. that they're like, mm-hmm. they're like, wait, this sounds horrible, mm-hmm. you know, or they have that fear mm-hmm. and, and they slowly warm up and, and mm-hmm. it just happens. So one of the things that we found too with commission is you've got to be really clear on what your expectations yeah. are with regards to what's okay and what's not okay to get to whatever their goal is. Because right. they're going to set a goal, right? Of if course. They, they're going to say, whether they tell you or not, they're going to have a, a specific goal that they want to get Or they're going to have their refrigerator break and they need a little bit, you know, life happens, right? Right. So, so you've got to set some expectations on how you expect the schedule to run. Like we're not going to be shorting, shortening appointments for you to pack in more patients, so we can't break the culture of the practice. Right. We cannot break the culture of the practice to fit this compensation model. So we you can't have steal to, from others. No, we can't steal from others. So whatever your core values are, you got to make sure your team knows them and everything needs to be aligned with that. Um, we worked with a team a long time ago, fantastic hygiene team. Like they were, they just made it happen. Right. And one gal was really motivated with the commission piece. And so she just packed her schedule full, a lot of patients, like 40, 45 minutes. And then what we, what I discovered was she wasn't doing her clinical notes. So there would be days (laughs) where there were no clinical notes. So that was a condition of her participating in the team bonus or her commission was you, you, this is part of the deliverable for your work. This right. is what's expected. And you have to have the treatment notes done by at the end of the day. When you saw that patient, you can't leave until those notes are complete. So if you don't have time in your appointments, then you might need to lengthen your appointments a little bit and see if you 
fewer patients. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. So, you, so I would encourage everyone, if you're going to that model, just to have some very clear written expectations that you sign and they sign, like this is how this is going to roll. And then from there, we're adults and, you know, we need to be able to talk about it. You know, last thing on this is um, too often I see dentists, they'll go to a seminar, they'll go to something and they're like, oh, that's a great idea. And they'll just go back and put it into their practice and they don't think All through. All business owners do that. They don't yes. think through the agreements. That yeah. How does, if I give this to you, how does it affect somebody else? If the I domino effects. Hygienist? Right. What about my assistants, yeah. front office people? Mm-hmm. You know, all of these things. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm always a believer that you, you take what somebody else says because that works in their culture, in their environment. What works for me probably doesn't work for many mm-hmm. other people. So you got to take it and you got to understand, does that fit your culture? And then you have an action plan of implementing it. And know? here's the thing, too. It doesn't matter what business you're in. Like with things like compensation, I mean, we've experienced this in Inspired Hygiene. There are things that are going to come up that you didn't expect. Mm-hmm. You can't predict every every way that this method is going to influence behavior, right? Positive or on the negative. negative yeah. You can't predict everything that's going to happen. So, so the counter to that is, you're right. Everything's not going to fit your culture. But if we overanalyze it, mm-hmm. then we will do nothing. Right. So sometimes you have to say to your team, "Hey, we're going to implement this, and we." probably are going to tweak it. Yeah. We're going to experiment. Right. We're going to, we're going to implement this. We're going to experiment and we're probably going to need to tweak it. So just expect that. But my intent is for this to be good for you, good for the practice, good for the patients. Yeah, absolutely. So Rachel, uh, so how can dentists get in touch with you? And, and you talk, you talk today a lot about when you go into offices and at your seminars Mm -hmm. and stuff. Talk to me, talk to us about that. Yeah. So we have phenomenal coaches that work with inspired hygiene. They're all hygienists. They're all very experienced, um, just in private practice. And they've all been trained by you. Yeah. And they've all been trained by me and we all work very closely together, um, and have a very common framework. Um, so they go into practices every week and our boots on the ground in there observing and really working and customizing our teachings for the practice, right? Okay. So you have, a, you have a culture and mm-hmm. you have beliefs and a treatment philosophy around perio, mm-hmm. and someone else has one that's a little bit different. Right. So we're always there to kind of stretch you, or else why would you yeah. hire us, right? But at the same time... It's the whole point of a coach. Right, but at the same time, we want to honor the culture of the practice, assuming that it's a positive one, right? <laughs> yeah. So we want to honor that. So that's kind of what we do. We're still we're still kind of classic, you know, okay. coaches that show up at your office, and, and we focus on hygiene. You focus on hygiene. Yes. Okay. So I want to be clear about this, because when I think of hygiene coaching, and this is my bad, so I know other people are thinking this, I always think of perio only. Yeah. But it's so much more. The hygiene department yeah. is so much more than perio. It is so much more, and... That's still in fact, often it's 80% what we. percent more than period. That's still that is still most of what we get the request yeah. for is either they have a plan in place, but it's not. It's kind of like fallen by the wayside right. over the years, or they have no plan in place. And now there's a big awareness around this, right? With the oral systemic link and all of that, it's like okay, we have to be diagnosing some perio at right. least. No, nope, not everybody in our practice is 100 percent healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so we still get a huge request for that. But yes, there's so much more from communication between the right. hygienist and the rest of the team, the doctor, how the they patient. hand off, what, how do we say this to the patient so that the patient is um, interested in what we're recommending, right? So it's just case presentation, verbal skills, getting everybody on the same page. You know, you can have multiple hygienists and everyone's doing it differently. Right. And that's really hard for a dentist when they, they know every time I walk into each of these different hygiene ops, I'm getting a different handoff. Mm-hmm. The hygienists have talked about different yeah. things because they have a favorite thing that they right. want to talk about. It's like, you guys, we got to get all on the same page. Or as close as we can to it. Yeah, as close yeah. as we can. Every, we want everyone to have their own personality. Um, so we're not creating Stepford Wife hygienists. <laughs> 
but they're sp- all speaking the same language, and that the patients could move between hygienists. Right, and, and they have the same treatment. Yes, yeah, and have experience. that continuity of care. Yeah. And also so that the team understands, like, what all what all is hygiene doing to help support the practice? They're just eating bonbons in the back. Right, right, <laughs> reading magazines, right? So we want to undo that kind of stereotype. Rachel, we just aged ourselves. Nobody reads magazines anymore. I know, they, they just, they're on they, their phones. They're on their phones know, doing people. it. So it's inspiredhygiene.com. Yeah. Uh, Rachel Wall, she's been fantastic. We've done seminars together. We've been in the we office. We need to do that again. And we need to do it again, man. Anytime you want. Yeah. Yeah, we'll make it happen. Okay. So if you want to get in touch with Rachel, inspiredhygiene.com, any and all your hygiene needs, they are a fantastic group Thank of you. wonderful people uh, that, that get it. And that's Thank what's you. most important. Thanks. Rachel, thanks for being on. Yeah, always. Thank you for having me. I Absolutely. enjoy it. Absolutely. Hey, podcast family. T-Bone here. Are you a dentist looking to elevate your practice and profits? Then pay close attention. Introducing the 3D Business Mastermind, the dental business coaching program designed for dentists who want to see real results. I've walked the path of practice ownership for nearly 25 years. I know your challenges. I felt your pain. This is your opportunity to overcome the chaos, the busyness, and the financial frustrations of owning a dental practice. Imagine a dental practice where your appointment book is highly productive, doing the dentistry you enjoy, your team is self-motivated, and your profits keep climbing. That's what the 3D Business Mastermind is all about. In this exclusive mastermind, you'll join a league of ambitious dentists driven to elevate their practices. You'll gain access to proven strategies, personalized coaching, and a community that understands your journey. So if you're ready to supercharge your dental practice and enjoy the success you deserve, visit www.3d-dentists.com and take the first step towards a brighter future in dentistry by filling out the 3D Business Mastermind application. Now, let's get to this week's episode.